Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most. Because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I got a Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Mark. With me on the show for the intro is Jay. Jay, how are you, Jay? What's going on? He's on the show for the intro. He's on the show for the intro. What's going on, Jay? How are you? Feeling steezy. What's that? Feeling steezy, Mark. Is that loud enough for you? Yeah, that's the volume. I mean, you're a pro at this point. You Loud should, and clear. Yeah, you should know better. Otherwise, it's called disrespect. Okay. Oh. So, yeah. So just be respectful of that. Okay. So I'm going to respectfully decline <laughs> the question. Thank you, Adam. So, Jay, what's going on, man? How are you today? I'm upset you turned my secretary into a robot. You, <laughs> you don't like how I turned your secretary into a robot? You turned him into a robot. Boom, I'm back. He's here. He's back. And uh, you know what, Jay? He is a pretty cool guy. Sometimes he gets a little crazy. No messing about, you know? No messing about. Yeah, and he's here, too. We're actually talking to the people. Talk to the people. Thank you, Adam Robot. (laughs) So. Yeah, Mark. I also turned you into a robot. So just shut up. How's your day going? Oh, terrific. Are you looking forward to editing this episode with our guest, Matt McCusker? Looking forward to it. I hope the people like the interlude I created with uh, the help of Jason Shaw. We ought to give him a shout out by now. Jason Shaw, he fucking rules. He's got a bunch of really awesome music freely available to anybody on audionautics.com. That's audionautics with an X. Uh, time we give him a shout out because i've used a lot of his music for the interludes as you might have noticed in the episode descriptions but yeah matt mccusker was a great guest it was awesome interviewing him because i'm used to listening to him on his comedy podcast matt and shane's secret podcast which is humorous but they don't typically get into this deep stuff at least what we talked about today very often unless that is you go over to psychnaw.com and check out matt's project a podcast 
I guess it's it's a it's a bunch of things. I get the episodes by subscribing to Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast Patreon. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you have to pay for the courses. And since I pay for the Patreon, I get it for free. Well, I don't get it for free, but you get what I'm saying. Matt, yeah, like he mentioned in the podcast today, he's written a couple books now or He's got one out and he's working on some more. So go check out those and check out psychnaw.com. Check out his website. Check out the podcast, Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast. Would you listen to his podcast, Jay? I know you don't listen to really any podcast, but would you listen to a comedy podcast, Jay? I've listened to comedy podcasts before, Mark, with you. (laughs) With me, exactly. Well, you might have listened to this one then because this one's one of my favorites. I've listened to every episode and something I'm really excited about that's new from Shane and Matt is uh, Gilly and Keeves. This is their clip, not clip. This is their sketch comedy YouTube channel that I urge everyone to go check out. It's pretty funny. They got a bunch of videos there, short videos, hilarious sketches. So please check out Matt McCusker. Enjoy the episode today. And uh, Jay, enjoy editing it. I'm sure it's going to going to be a good time the only Stay time classy you, san diego the only time you listen to podcasts is when you edit ours mark palmer's cool how are you brother i'm doing good thanks sam <laughs> yeah mark we remember all right everybody <laughs> who the hell are you who the hell are you thanks for listening to the my family thinks oh. i'm crazy podcast and enjoy the show the, the funny thing about the news is like yeah you realize it's like these guys aren't just like coming up with these thoughts. This is a scripted program that's agendized. Like they're writing it. They can't just like the guy can't just be like, well, wait a second. It's like you can't deviate from the script or you're going to get fired. So people should always think about that. So the, the spirituality stuff came weirdly from doing the Psychonaut podcast, researching different psychological modalities and kind of breaking them down, re-explaining them in a way that I, I would think would be like easy to understand and kind of stripping away all of the scientific, as much of the scientific jargon as I could. Just, you know, like finding out what actually works for me, what doesn't, kind of giving a more personalized account rather than what science was known as maintaining the objective view. Human beings have like tricked themselves into thinking they can be utterly objective, um, which is funny. start talking about the invisible universe and in terms of the power versus force model it's like you know there's things that we didn't know existed that just exert their power it's a complete entity it's a power it's something that you know it's something that is in you know what they call the invisible universe Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm rolling solo again. Jay is away, working for the man. But uh, my co-host is not here, but we have an awesome guest. His name is Matt McCusker. You know him from Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast. You also know him from a book he just came out with, right? Overlook. That was a couple of years ago, but yeah. Relatively, yeah, relatively okay. recently. Yeah. And are you working on anything else as far as authorship? Uh, yeah, I did a, I wrote like a, 
I think it was like an 80, 90 page book that I, I, I do another thing, Romas, which is with my friend Wes. And it's, it's kind of like a self-development kind of thing. So I, I wrote like an 80, 80 page book. That's going to be on, we're going to build like a little Romas university thing. So that's on there in audio form. But the right now I'm just, I'm writing, I have a novel, I, another novel I started and I'm, I'm taking a break from that to write two short stories that like, you know, shortish, but they'll probably, I'm going to write two short stories that are each about probably 50 to 60 pages. So it'll be like a kind of two stories, but like a novel length. Excellent. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that, man. You're such a deep guy. I think, you know, your comedy podcast doesn't always show that kind of depth. Where did this journey begin for you? You're obviously a very hilarious person. You and Shane touch on so many topics that most comedians are too afraid to even think about, mm. you know, you know, where did this begin for you? Were you naturally inquisitive child? Were you always questioning the narrative, like in the mainstream or how did this start? For you? I don't know. I don't think I really cared about anything like that for a very long time. I remember watching if, you know, and it's funny even thinking about this, but I remember like, I, I like, I never watched, I never had any interest, honestly, in the news or like politics. It always seemed kind of like alien to me, the whole process of it. But I remember being like 20, 21, 22. And I was at my brother's house. And like, you know, I, I had just, I was like, at the time I was smoking like tons of weed constantly. And I also was just kind of like chilling. I didn't really have much of a job because I was just like selling weed and stuff at the time. So I had like a weird 20s where I kind of had all my time. Like I didn't have to go sit in a cubicle. I didn't have that experience of kind of like, I guess, being socialized professionally, which was something, you know, I don't know if you ever talked to people who've like from young, you know, from like 18 to like 40 have worked in an office, but it's like, you know, it, it like really changes your mannerisms. It changes the way you speak and talk to people. And it for sure changes what you do and don't talk about even, I mean, it was almost like an absurd degree of like, people would talk about someone being drunk and even that has to be euphemized. Like, oh, he had a couple, uh, you know, you can't just come out like, yeah, he's fucking hammered. It's like, well, yeah, he's a little tipsy, you know? So I, I don't know. That was something that always freaked me out. But I remember I'm sitting on my, my brother's couch and I, I'm like, you know, the, the, the TV comes on and it's the news and I'm like watching the news and I'm, I'm just super stoned. And I remember watching it and being like, this is like the homeroom show from high school. I remember like, it just see, it struck me as like that ridiculous and the fact that it was like just just some dude like being like and this thing and it like just it seems like overly contrived and produced and like ever since that one experience I always just like look at it with that same kind of like eh and I've all I've been inside of a new studio before then when you go inside of one you're like oh this is like just weird cardboard cutouts and you guys are you know not all of them who do it but the guys I met were kind of like they kind of seemed like really dickish and like you know and I saw they had two modes too like I talked to them and the cameras would come on and then it's like boom different person and it was just kind of the whole thing seemed strange to me yeah the the plasticity almost fakeness of it is very obvious i think the mainstream media in particular you know we could talk all day about that people can go and listen to matt and shane's secret podcast i've listened to pretty much every episode i've noticed over time you're becoming more spiritual would you say this is true matt i feel like oh, yeah. there's a certain amount of spiritual growth that you've been putting your mind towards, right? Like it's, this is something that you're actively seeking out, right? Big time. No, big time. And the, the last thing before I even get into that, the, the funny thing about the news is like, yeah, you realize it's like, these guys aren't just like coming up with these thoughts. This is a scripted program. It's agendized. Like they're writing it. They can't just like the guy can't just be like, well, wait a second. And it's like, you can't deviate from the script or, you know, you'll get fired. So people should always think about that. But yeah, with the, the spiritual stuff, it was funny. I never really had a, 
you know, I didn't really care for it. I, I, I grew up going to like Catholic church, hated it. And I was like, this is boring. This sucks. It's like restrictive and it's, you know, very dogmatic. And I, I just, I didn't like it at all. So it kind of like gave me a really, it put a really bad taste in my mouth for like any kind of thing uh, like that. But I was also in the position where like, I, I wasn't really, I don't like hate science. I think it brought a lot of cool stuff, but I, I, I'm also, I wasn't really interested in that very much. You know, you know, studying psychology. And that was the thing that originally turned me off to doing it was like, so I thought I was like, yeah, I can't wait to just like talk to people and do all that stuff. And like, no, you got to like construct studies. You have to like, you know, learn all the statistics. And I'm like, I don't want to do all that. So the the spirituality stuff came weirdly from doing the psych Null podcast, which was like, you know, me just like reading different, just kind of researching different psychological modalities and kind of breaking them down and re-explaining them in a way that I, I would think would be like easy to understand and kind of stripping away all the scientific, as much of the scientific jargon as I could, you know, and like finding out what actually works for me, what doesn't and kind of giving a more personalized account rather than like, you know, in science, what's known as maintaining the objective view. Human beings have like tricked themselves into thinking they can be utterly objective, um, which is funny, but the, but yeah, so it came out of when I was doing the, when we were talking about the act stuff, acceptance and commitment therapy. And I'm, I'm like researching and all this stuff. And this came from like, like I would like try to read about Buddhism and it would just like, to me, it would just come off as these weird paradoxical riddles. And I'd be like, all right, enough of this. You know, I, I did never got anything out of it. So I did the acceptance and commitment therapy one. And that kind of really almost manualized this approach to like, and I, I think one of the most important things was, so imagine, sorry, it manualized the approach to uh, gaining what's called psychological flexibility. And psychological flexibility is in a nutshell, it's just the ability to realize that you are thinking and you are not like your thoughts aren't like, God-given truth, they're just something floating through your mind, and especially about like self self-judgments and you know how you perceive yourself and how you what you how you perceive like what others are doing. Like there, that's just a thought, you know. And it's being able to kind of distance yourself from like to recognize that you were thinking. So to recognize your thought as a process rather than a content. So it's you're sitting there, you go, oh, I'm a fucking loser. You can either take that as a thought that occurred to you. Like I'm thinking that I'm a loser or you can say, no, I'm a loser. Like I'm right. I'm correct. So yeah, so this, and it, it's, it's going to be a long explanation, but this is kind of the, the kind of path I meandered down. So I, I started doing this psychological flexibility stuff and, you know, so you're you, like, you start part of it. There's like six processes. There's like a, there's presence, there's acceptance is one of them, like accepting, you know, yourself, your situation as much as possible. There's working on being present, which is just like being kind of where you are rather than mentally appraising everything around yourself all the time. There's cognitive, what is it called? Cognitive diffusion, which is really just mindfulness of like, you know, understanding that you're thinking and you're not your thoughts, blah, 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 blah. What else? There's values, like cultivating what's actually important to you and then committed action. The whole point is that you're supposed to like have thoughts, have feelings, have memories pop up inside of yourself. And rather than just kind of like giving into them and letting like, you know, like at the fear of like, oh, everyone's going to think I'm a loser at this party. Therefore, I'm going to like get hammered and do all this stuff. You're rather than trying to avoid discomfort, you're then serving your values instead. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, like, I think I think it's important to step outside of the process of thought because you're so quick to get dragged downstream by this river of emotions and thoughts that it really takes like the ability to swim and look and see where the current is heading before you get dragged away with it. Would yeah, that's, that? that's, that's exactly it. But and this is the thing. It's like it, before you come, before you become conscious of the fact that your thoughts are just thoughts, your feeling states are just feeling states and that they have a uh, fleeting and impermanent basis. Meaning like if, if you say you feel anxious, 
if you just like let your body, if you accept the fact that you feel anxious, it'll just kind of pass naturally. If you start going, ah, I'm anxious. Why am I anxious? I don't want to feel this way. You're just making it worse. It's like one of those self-feedback loops. Um, then people will start doing like, well, you know, I, I felt anxious at the mall, so I'm just not going to the mall anymore. And, you know, you start kind of cutting yourself off from all these things until you kind of end up in this kind of like self-constructed hamster cage of like you seeking a constant comfort, which is you just kind of all you're doing is thinking of threats constantly, which is, you know, kind of activating your nervous system. This is purporting like rather than spending your life trying to constantly avoid perceived discomforts of just figuring out what's important to you acknowledging that there will always be pain and discomforts and then just pursuing what's important to you. And over time, those discomforts start to kind of melt away. That's not the goal. You're, you're like, you're not saying like, I don't ever want to be uncomfortable again. You're saying, look, I am going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be anxious. I'm going to feel self-critical. I'm going to suffer the judgments of others. That's going to happen to me no matter what. So let me just kind of move in the path that like, I feel like is calling me. If I had to just kind of wipe my slate clean and say like, well, what would you do if all that stuff was gone? It's like, well, I would do X, Y, and Z. It's like, well, go do X, Y, and Z. And then when the stuff pops up, that's where the mindfulness and all that other stuff comes up to be like, all right, I feel wildly uncomfortable. My heart's leaping out of my chest, but here's the thing I want to do. So I'm at least going to try to do that. And, you know, and then that stuff starts to subside. So that, and then, you know, you, you, you do all that. And it's like, oh, a lot of the stuff just comes from like, you know, Buddhist practices and all this other, all these other things. So I, I did the acceptance and commitment therapy one. That was like, I was just hitting, I was just like being hit with skills that I was like, dude, what the fuck? Why don't they teach us in school? This is super helpful. And, you know, so then at the time I knew there was like a connection with Buddhism. So I, I start kind of trying to read about that and all this other stuff. And then there was a, the book that really kind of, I think, put it in the perspective that kind of started pushing it more from me being psychological concepts for mental health and blah, 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 and mental well-being. There, there's, that's one, that's a scientific paradigm of happiness. Honestly, I think psychology is like a science's attempt at spirituality, if that makes sense. It's like it hits on all the principles, but it kind of bleaches them with, yeah, it's just for this, you know, materialist plane and we're going to make you happy here because there's nothing else. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. but then I started, I read this other book, The Untethered Soul. It's like Journey Beyond the Soul. I forget what it's called, but it's, it's called The Untethered Soul and, you know, colon, some other words. So then I read that book and it took, it took all of the stuff in acceptance and commitment therapy, but put it in a more like, I don't know what, what the word would be like, not folksy, but it put it more in like a spiritual intuitive sense and kind of stripped. You didn't need all the science, all the studies, and, you know, you're constantly when you're doing the science stuff and there's been thousands of studies and the studies have been replicated and they're still here. And the, you know, this was like approach that stuff from what intuitively feels right. And it broke down the same exact ideas in a way that I was like, oh my God, this is so much more digestible. In the one part of the book, they have a whole segment of how you're not how do you put this like that whole like inner are you familiar with the whole inner witness kind of thing of mindfulness like you're not like ask this was like i think from ramana maharshi it's the whole question like who am i you know it's like well i'm in the they go through it step by step they're like i'm my name you know i'm i'm matt mccusker and then you know someone writes your name on a piece of paper and says is this you and you're like well no that's not me that's my name on a piece of paper and it's like i'm and they're like all right so then it goes through step by step it's like well i am you know, the thing that's, oh, I'm, 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 I'm Matt McCusker. Here's my story. Here's everything that's ever happened to me. And they're like, all right, that's the, there are the things that happened to you, but that's not you. And you say, all right, all right, well, I'm this, I'm a body, I'm a physical body. And it's like, well, like you're, that's, you know, were you, you when you were six? Cause that was a different physical body than you have currently. And like, you know, who was the you that was looking in the mirror at six years old? Does that person still look in the mirror? And it goes through all of these things and eventually strips everything away to where you are just a, a conscious awareness 
and all this other stuff accumulates around your conscious awareness. And, you know, and it's like, that was one of the moments, all the mindfulness, all the meditation stuff. I was like, Oh, that's the point of meditation to kind of get into that state where there's things happening. You're nervous. You're afraid you're bugging out. You've ate an edible and you're bugging out. You can either be like, Oh my God, I'm dying or be watching it, witnessing the fact that, you know, this entity that you're in, which, you know, obviously that's, I guess this is where like your family starts being like, what the fuck? You're just witnessing this experience and you're going, oh, and then when you, when you take this more like larger transcendental witness mode to your experience, rather than being caught up in the swirl of it, it alleviates a ton of the anxiety. And that's where it clicked for me. I'm like, oh, this stuff has like a, a, a ton of like, when you can go back into the science mode, it has a ton of clinical benefit and to like be able to believe all of this stuff. And the more you believe it, the more powerful it becomes. And at the time I was also doing these things that, uh, I mean, it's just cannabis meditation. I was calling them deep dives, right? Eat like a moderate to high dose edible for me personally, I guess I should say enough that would make me anxious. That would make me kind of be on the verge of a panic attack. And I, and I also, I used to suffer from anxiety, like wickedly. And I would force myself into the state, but I would put on some meditation music and just lay there and meditate through it. And I was having these kind of like profoundly religious experiences and I wasn't even really looking for that, but it was, it was happening. And then I started using that kind of religious thinking and kind of belief in, you know, a larger, you know, like say like a governing, like God, basically like a governing force over the universe. And then going into those experiences, I'd normally be anxious and, but equipped with that, like belief in that I'm okay and taken care of in that capacity. And dude, it was like just shredding anxiety. And like, it, it was just like, you know, it was, that was a pretty cool experience. So, you know, I know I just said a lot, but that was kind no, of like, Matt, I will say that that resonates with me so much because growing up in Connecticut, Catholic upraising, I experienced a very similar thing, like this disassociation with the real, like if this is what's real, this pony show this old man in the silly robe going whoa you know like <laughs> this is not you know you know religion it just didn't feel right and mm -hmm. then i smoked cannabis and i mm -hmm. went deeper and deeper and what blossomed out of that experience like you're describing was for me very personally a, an intuition an intuitive sense to look for something other because at that time i was like an atheist. I wanted to be a UFC fighter, you know, like nice. I was into like this really kind of warlike mindset, you know, I'm six, eight, I was a captain of my wrestling team. So I almost could have been a UFC fighter. I'm not that strong. I'm pretty fucking skinny. I might've been like the six, eight? roof. Yeah. Six, eight. <laughs> You're wrestling people. Yeah. Yeah. Headlocks. Yeah. And I would do the, the cradle. That was my move. Get someone in a cradle oh. and flip them back. That was yeah, well, your movie. arms are the size of their legs. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this dude, Rob Waller from Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. first, probably the first person I ever met from like rural Pennsylvania, he comes up to me and he goes, this is at a wrestling camp. And these guys, these are big, tough wrestling boys, yeah. you know, and Rob Waller looks at me, and goes, I'm gonna call you high pockets. And I'm like, Hot pockets. What the hell's hot pockets? He's like, high pockets, because your pockets are off the ground so high. And I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? But yeah, that's you know, wrestling and being six eight, they don't quite go together. I was always kind of an anomaly, uh, a <laughs> little bit of a black sheep, but mm -hmm. but my point is cannabis really blended with martial arts because I was really apprehensive to smoke pot because I was like, no, I'm, I'm a wrestler. I got to be good for my team and all this. But then I saw Eddie Bravo, you know, taking a bong hit, doing the twister. I find out Bruce Lee is, is eating cannabis in his training sessions. And I'm like, wow, like there's so much more to this plant. I interviewed Chris Bennett, 
who's written five or six books on cannabis. And mm-hmm. he studied the history of cannabis. It's gone back so far. I mean, I'm not sure how familiar you are with this, but they found cannabis resin on an altar in Jerusalem going back to the biblical times. And something that Chris Bennett has done is he's reinterpreted some of the biblical parallels and, and, and different phrases in the Bible to reveal that they might very well have been using cannabis as this kind of psionic oil that they described that was supposedly healing those with epilepsy. We know cannabis Mm -hmm. helps people with epilepsy. I mean, this is the kind of thing that would have given Jesus the power to heal the sick from possession, right? This this ability to to give someone an oil that they didn't understand and, and, and heal them. But I mean, knowing what you know now, maybe you didn't know that until now, but how do you feel about like this spiritual journey? Cause I know you're taking mushrooms, you, you're smoking pot. You're obviously taking cannabis in a very motivated and, and, and intentional way. Right. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people just smoke pot, like woo fun. But like, yeah. when you take that step to put an intention in anything you do, it has power. So when you multiply that with this sacred plant, that's literally built for our endocannabinoid system. I mm-hmm. mean, is this, I mean, maybe I'm going off on my soapbox here, but is this something you No, man. With? I mean, dude, and it, it, it's like, because I, I started smoking weed when I was very young and uh, well, I guess, you know, 14. So, which I guess is young, but I remember doing it and I loved it and it was awesome. And then it like, you know, I, I just started, you know, I started smoking, I started selling it, all this shit. And I, I was just like, like weed was like literally was my life for a very long time. Like it was all I thought about. It was all I was around. So I have like a weird, I have a weird relationship, not weird, but I have a very, you know, like I have a different relationship with it than I think a lot of people do. And I'm saying that like it's better, it's superior. It's just, I just, you know, I've been around it for a long time. And, uh, you know, so I started like, you know, and I started getting like, like I, I would smoke it and I would do it. And like, I, I started like just getting anxiety all the time from it. And I'd, I'd have like, you know, a two pole thing where it was like, sometimes it'd be like exactly what I was looking for. Other times it would just like freak me out and make me feel like everything was wrong and bad and blah, 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 blah. And there was something, and again, this is where like the kind of more like intuitive spiritual mode kind of comes into being, but there would be like something I would, I would, you know, I would, I would do it. I would eat an edible, I would smoke it and I would feel kind of wrong. And there'd be something telling me like, dude, this would be awesome. If you did this, like if you could schedule it, like get out of impulsively using it and schedule it and then just like do it and then just meditate. And I had no, it's just, you know, it's the thought that occurred to me and it just seemed like that would be awesome. And I'm like, I don't know if I could do that though. You know, and, it, and it's still to this day, it's like a challenge of like, kind of like separating. And again, I don't think there's anything wrong with like smoking weed, going to the movies, having like, go, like, by all means, it's it's awesome, go do that. But it wasn't until I incorporated that into like a meditation practice that I became like, oh, like, this isn't just like, you know, Cheech and Chong, fun time, let's smoke weed and watch Pokemon. Like, this is really powerful. If you like you were saying, if you use it with intention, and with the right, you know, in the right context and, and specifically with intention, like, like there's problems as you get older, you start being confronted with problems that seem impossible. You start saying, I don't, I, I genuinely, I, I just, I don't have the capacity to figure this out. I like a deep relationship issues. And that's when I started being like, all right, I'm at my personal wits end. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's what I hear. There's a voice in me. I can list all the things wrong with the other person and I can do that forever. But it's like, let me try to take like an honest inventory and you set the intention you know, you, you know, ingest it however you want to do forever, you know, whatever intensity or whatever, whatever you want. And then you just meditate. And it was like, I noticed when I did that, it would just bring up, like, it would point me to little things that I was doing kind of, again, it just, you know, just like lowers your defenses a little bit and you go, yeah, I'm okay. That's where I'm being a little weird. You know? And again, it's like, it's not like a, cause I just did the five grams of mushrooms. That's like an ego wipeout. It's just, you know, not 
doesn't last forever, but it like it, it just pulls the curtain aside. And you go, oh my god, that's what I'm up to. And you're like, yeah, and then you know, eventually it starts. To, obviously, it rebuilds itself. But I, I think cannabis is good because it's like you can do these like meditations on it, dude. By like three hours later, you're ready to roll. Like you know, not even like you could roll during it really, but like as soon as it subsides you're good. Like you can go off, you can go do whatever you want. Like, you're not like I was spaced out for like three fucking days after I did the five grams of mushrooms, but um, not even in a bad way. So yeah, it's like, again, it's, it's just, there's a whole thing surrounding this kind of discussion where people start going, Oh yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, you know, whatever that's, and that's fine. And that's fun. But like, for me personally, if I'm being honest, it's it like approaching cannabis with like, kind of like a, a more mindful intention has been something that I would say like transformed my life for the better. And just kind of like, you know, it didn't do it all at once, but it kind of just reorients your path and kind of like, Hey, try this and then try this and try this. And it kind of takes you away from the whole, like, you know, mindlessly appeasing your own ego, which, you know, again, it's never enough. You, 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 like, and I've, I've experienced this of being like, Oh, it'd be cool if I had that. And then you get that and you go, Hmm, now my life kind of still sucks if I had that. And then I've hit a point where you're like, you know what, man, I, th- I think I'm just like deeply, deeply frustrated. And, and it, like, I, I have to become okay with myself. And that's a whole other thing, but you know, so yeah, so that was kind of, that's the, like you were saying, that's the tangible aspect of spirituality. And that's what I think these plants do. It's like, you know, you could, I could show up to church with my parents and sit there and I, I equate it to like, like, you know, like the Roman Catholic church versus like having a uh, mystical experience with a plant or, you know, with other people or meditation, chanting, whatever you got to do, because there's other options to do it. I feel like it's like the difference between owning stock and Pepsi versus drinking Pepsi. So it's like, it's like, sure, you, you know, you can, you can approach it in this weird kind of hedging your bets way, or you can like experience that kind of religious ecstasy that people have been doing for thousands of years. But it's like, we're so blocked from it. It's weird. It's psychotic. It's delusional. It's this and that. And then you do it and you go, this actually works. I mean, science even shows that having some form of religious practice extends your lifespan. It has like real benefits. It's like, well, it's not real. It's like, well, the benefits are real. So, well, you know. Until your point, I, I think we're starting to, you know, maybe I'm very self-absorbed in this podcast community where people are thinking thoughts like this often, but it feels really like we're experiencing a shift towards people being more aware of the subtleties of conscious. I mean, something you touched on uh, previously was like the difference between objective reality and subjective experience. And I think where religion and spirituality kind of differ for me is like religion wants you to get on board with this predetermined objective reality. Whereas real spirituality always tells you to go inward into your subjective experience to find the answers in internally is where you find those answers not externally right because when we pray and when we meditate we're going inward we're 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 touching on this connection and you know this is maybe just my own personal belief but i have always taken solace in the fact that there is a higher version of my consciousness right Mm -hmm. so like we touched on before with the ego and 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 the watcher and the witness of consciousness we have an unconscious self a subconscious self and a super conscious self right And, and in between that makes up our consciousness right so there's really kind of three parts they make up a fourth part and to me i think when we connect with our higher self which is that kind of consciousness that exists outside of time 
is in that same mode of consciousness when we're really stoned sometimes, right? right? And if you set the intention to do that, you can do that. But it's not just going to work like magic. If you go and, you know, watch Pokemon and smoke pot, you might not have that. But if you put a, a methodology behind the kind of your motivations, it's not about being regimented, but it's about being able to, like we said previously, get yourself out of that flowing current and look up see where you're heading and start to steer yourself in the direction you want to go because you know past present future you're not in the present you're not in the uh, present if you're thinking about the past you're not in the present if you're thinking about the future you know when we're in the future we're having anxiety when we're in the past we're having depression or regret or shame mm -hmm. so being in the moment is all you'll ever really experience so let's understand where we're at right and yeah I and dude one of the that's it no absolutely man and that's the uh, that's like a that's one of those challenges too because like a lot of times you just bring like you were saying you just bring baggage that just does like say like i'm sitting in a chair like right now i'm sitting in a chair and uh you know i'm like sitting here trying to like write something i can start thinking about nine million different things and then start to physically experience these things that aren't here it's like you know i'm, I'm worried about like is this thing suck or what do i got to do today or i have plans for two weeks and i don't know like is there going to be some weird social function i have to go to i might be uncomfortable in but then, I, you know, like you're saying, the present moment is going, what are you doing right now? Well, I'm sitting in a chair and I'm writing something. It's like, well, then just do that. Like, there's no, you're just, you're, you're putting your body like daily through all of this extra stress that's not even here right now, which is probably only going to make the actual stressful event worse because you've been thinking about it and, you know, like fantasizing about it. So it's like, yeah, dude, that's a, that's a humongous, it's a humongous skill to start to develop just, just that alone. And to do the mindfulness bell, I have it on my phone. That's one of that has been one of the best things ever done. I have, it's, it's, I think it's just called the mindfulness bell app. It's free. And it just, you can set it to go off as many times as you want. And you'll be sitting there and it just goes bing. And all of a sudden you go, you know, again, you set an intention behind it. You say, as soon as this thing, as soon as this thing goes off, I'm going to physically release all the tension in my body, which is, you know, you start to accumulate like just all the time, release that, take an inventory of what I'm doing, how I'm feeling. And if the thing I'm doing fits into the, my larger scheme in terms of like what I genuinely want to do with myself or not. And you, you know, you, you confront that over and over and over and over. And it's pretty cool. But again, a lot of this stuff gets kind of like shooed off because it takes people to a place that is very uncomfortable to go. You know, it's like, I could have ignored all of this stuff. I could have ignored all the, let's say the intuitional communication that has been occurring since I've been young to be like, you know, going into an office and being like, this is fucked up. Like you shouldn't be stuck inside in a cubicle all day. This is fucked. This is a fucked up dynamic. And, you know, if you go in there and say that, the whole context you're in is going to go, you're wrong. You're fucked up. And it's like, I don't think, I mean, obviously I, I have, you know, I think I am on some level, but I know for a fact you can't trap people in cubicles for 40 years and just bake them under fluorescent lights and give them like bullshit, non-work. It's just, it seemed just bizarre. So, you know, so it's like being in touch with that part of yourself and like, you know, there's something in you that's kind of beckoning you towards a more genuine existence and you can ignore it, but it's only at your own peril. And like if once time, a lot of time goes by of you ignoring that, it gets harder and harder to confront because then you start thinking of all the waste of time. And, you know, it's like, and there's also stuff too, like say the fact that like you think that might be the case, it's not like a, a world ending thing or like, oh my God, I ruined my, it's not like that. I don't want to paint it like that, but it's like, you know, just learning how to slowly go back and forth between like intuitively realizing because I, I couldn't do the same thing where I did where I'd like started thinking everything's wrong and then you know then you don't participate in anything and that's not a good thing at all so it is a balance but just really learning how to listen to yourself intuitively and how like 
you know, it's, it's a big deal. I really, you know, I, like, I do this too. You approach life like, yeah, whatever. But it's like, no, what you choose to do and don't do is, is a tremendously big deal. And it, you know, it should be approached that way rather than kind of just letting people talk you through it and just following, you know, like, Oh, I guess these are the paths I do. I go to college. I do this. I get married and I, I can just go through the motions. But like you said, there's that witness inside of you. That's going like, this doesn't feel real or like, doesn't feel like three-dimensional. It feels and like our culture know, tells us to tell that witness to shut the hell up because yeah, you yeah, know yeah. it's no measure of health to be well adjusted to a profoundly sick society. You know, some great man whose name is hard to pronounce because he's from India said that. Mm. And the truth is, is that our society is not geared towards making us healthy, happy human beings. It's geared towards making us 40 in type, uh, you know, slave minds who just plug into the system and, and act and function as a cog in the wheel. And, you know, now they've gotten to the point where since we're not happy being cogs in the wheel, they have to go and play all these mind games on us and, and turn us against each other and, and I, give us identity groups to fall into. And then that creates a bunch of problems that mm -hmm. we then fight over. And, and everybody's just looking for a sense of meaning in life because that's yeah. all that is. When you attach yourself to one group or another, you're just trying to fit in, you know? So ultimately the true renegade thing to do the true way to overcome it's not by grouping up with other people but it's going inwards and being the example living the example that you think others should look up to right because mm -hmm. you can only change yourself i mean i had a taoist monk david way on the podcast and i asked him i said david how do you help the people around you you know like what do you tell your family when they're sick? And he's like, I don't, man, I don't tell them. They just see me do what I do. And if they have questions, I answer them, but I'm not going to try to tell them how to live their life. You know, and he told me three things to live by move, massage, meditate. And I think once you really understand that, like we're moving we're not perfect. We're soft. Sometimes we need a nice little massage and mm -hmm. meditate, you know, because it's just, and I, I'm probably repeating uh, that every episode since I interviewed him, move from the side. It's meditate. good to repeat, yeah. <laughs> but it's, you know, I, I wanted you to hear that, man. I think you could understand that. And yeah, man, I just, I'm really into what podcasting has done for me as, as far as connecting me to more people that are like-minded and that's not to create some kind of echo chamber, but it sure. can be kind of daunting to be like, feeling like oh wow i don't have anybody to talk about this stuff with so i have to ask you matt like do you generally feel like this is something that you have people to relate it with like you know going inward and and, and this yeah taken? for a long time i didn't and i, I want to talk about the stuff you were talking about before too before i forget the but yeah but to answer your question it's like yeah dude the this is what, and this is where I think personally, again, if other people like other means for this, that's fine for me personally, the psychedelic stuff is cool because it's like, you know, they're going to do it now where, and I think this is a good thing too, ultimately of like, you know, it's, it's going to be just another arm of science and you, you go in, there's a, you know, a doctor and you do it. I think with psychedelics, you can also do a thing where it's like with your family. It's like, you know, I, I did it with my brother. My brother did it. I like, I knew my brother wanted to do it and I got him a guided session and then he did it. And he was like, yo, you got to try that. That's awesome. Like, you know, blindfold five grams, you know, play some music, however you want to do it, you know, just try to turn it into a meditative intention exercise. And I was so fucking nervous, dude. I didn't want to do it. I was putting it off. Then I finally, I was like, fuck it. I set a date. But to answer your question, it's like, 
me and my brother both did this thing, you know, and it's different. I did it when I was like 19, you know, so I did it. It's like way different when you're 35, dude. So we both did it and it kind of stripped. There was like so much defenses between us and, you know, like not even a bad way. It was just, we both had our own little defenses or certain things we wouldn't talk about. And now like that, just like, we just talk about anything now. So like, I'll just, you know, and like that kind of creates like what you're talking about. Like you don't have to be so alienated. You can kind of like, if you, start to even get one person who you would communicate this with. And again, this all comes back to like the, the best prescription for all of it is just being as honest as possible because you don't have to be right. Everyone's trying to be right, but it's like, yeah, good luck with that. But you can be as honest as you want. So it's like, you know, now like, you know, I have one person I talk to, I have, you know, my other friend, uh, Andrew Spud, I talked to, I can talk to Andrew about anything. And then you start going, I can talk to anyone about this shit. If they're not into it, that's not, that, that's not really my issue. And obviously I'm not going to like, you know, corner them, like, you know, kind of my uncles do to me with sports where it's like, I'm genuinely not interested in what's going on with like the, you know, Cleveland Browns at any given moment, but they'll like, or whoever, whatever sports team and they'll, you know, they'll corner me. And I, I just, you know, I kind of like nod along and I'm like, okay, man, like, that's cool. You know, I'm not even being like, Oh, you can't believe you like this. It's just, it's like, I'm glad you guys enjoy this. It's pretty cool. They, they even said like sports is kind of like one of the kind of spiritual practices of our times is it's something people can actually bond over and watch. And like, it's like, it's an organization outside of yourself. So, you know, I don't want to like snark on that. I I think it's cool. I just, for me, I I don't really care. who wins. I'm with you, man. I am not a sports fan. I, maybe I gave you the wrong impression when I said I was a wrestler, but yeah, the, the, my family thinks some crazy podcast has a hard, fast rule, no (laughs) sports talk. Okay. (laughs) But yeah, again, it's like, you know, again, it's, I can sit here and talk about this stuff to some of my uncles who love sports and they're, I'm just going to glaze their eyes over and I'm not going to be like, hey, that's cool, man. You know, we all love each other and that's fine. But it's like recognizing that's a thing. It doesn't mean they're bad or you're bad. It's just, it's just people are, it's, things resonate with people on different levels. Yes. Um, but to, so the other thing talking about, like you were saying earlier, so yeah, to answer your question, it's like, yeah, just be honest with people. And you know, it's some people are not going to get into, People are going to laugh at you. They'll do this, but you'll be surprised because that, you know, this, I feel like people who can become into this stuff kind of go through things where like they kind of hit a hard wall. So it's like, if people haven't hit that wall, good for them, man. You know, I don't want to like force this down their throats. I personally have hit it multiple times. So, but in terms of like, like you were saying, like, you know, we're not really, you know, a lot of the parts of society aren't really set up for this kind of inquiry or this kind of like, you know, as honest and open discussion, a lot of it gets kiboshed. And like you were saying with the political stuff, it's like, you know, you're like, well, I'm on this group. So therefore I don't like this group. And dude, if I go and talk to like, say like I have family members who are super conservative and I start saying like, you know, talking about like money and how money's just printed and they're going to be like, oh, you're a communist. If I go talk to friends of I known who are like super left and I'm like, dude, this is crazy. We're being like told what to do by the government. They're going to be like, you're a fucking right wing conspiracy nut. And it's just like any, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. It's just very funny how like, you know, they're just going to be like, you're that one, you're this one. Blah, blah, blah. And as soon as you kind of say something against like the overarching, let's say system, you're now the enemy of the other one. Cause like, Oh, you, you hate the system. They are all both convinced that both hate the system and like, whatever. And they want to stamp you on your forehead. They want to give you that stamp on the forehead because what that does is it gives them an excuse to not think further on your position. And yeah. like you're saying, that's not even really your position because you're able to go to one group and give an opposing position and another group and giving an opposing position. Obviously, there's no bias there if you're able to, you know, entertain both thoughts and, and entertain sure. both conversations. But it's it's disheartening sometimes to see that people aren't willing to come to the table to discuss certain things. They're just more likely to label you as a group and that that's the end of it sometimes. Right. But yeah, maybe the spirituality stuff. Exactly. Spirituality stuff is like, you know, the problem comes, the the problem, it goes from being like, 
what should the tax rate be to be like, I love both. I love both those guys. Like I love them both, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to accept both of them for who they are. And it's ju- I'm just going to be honest with them. And that, that's like different than being like, you know, I'm going to wear a, you know, a donkey hat or like wave a, you know, a stick or whatever, or, a bear or whatever the other one is an elephant. So, and then honestly too, like, you know, that whole, cause I used to be on some like serious, like fuck the government forever shit. And it's like, I don't even think like that anymore. I just think like, again, I think people are just caught up in their own shit and they just get like, you know, and it happens to all of us and we can be caught up in our own shit at any time. But there are people I feel like who don't think about this kind of stuff at all. And I think it does create kind of problems. But, and if you look at like the current situation now, you know, cause we have the COVID stuff, everyone feels strongly about it one way or the other that, you know, it's hard to be like, Oh, whatever. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty jarring. Like we have, we've had mandates, we have masks in different area and all this stuff. And again, it's like, you can fall into the thing, like, well, fuck all that. I, it's bullshit. And it's like, well, you know, there are people who did die of it and there are people who are genuinely afraid of it so that you can approach it like that, where it's like, I'm not being dominated by the government. I just want people to be comfortable. But then you can also say like, all right, man, well, I also don't want to live in a world where I have to like estimate the meters between me and another person. That's kind of fucking weird. Like, I don't, you know, so, you know, it, it is, there's a ton of like variables going on with it, but like the thing that really cracks me up and I, I kind of noticed this today when I was out on a walk. You start to pay because, you know, right now we're being convinced that like the government loves us and just wants us to like, you know, take this medicine they've made and all this stuff. And if you if you say anything negative or even even like saying like maybe I'll wait kind of stuff with the vaccine, it's like, you know, do you take it? Do you not? And to even suggest like, yeah, I'm going to hold off. I don't fully trust these companies who are putting this out. You know, I can go through a list of all this fucked up shit they did. But like to even bring that up, you're again, like you're saying, boom, stamped, conspiracy nut, fucking psycho. But if you look at like the larger picture, when you're walking around, you start thinking like, okay, what's okay to do without a mask and what's not? And, and it's like, can I can I go to church? You're like, well, no, mask on for church. And again, there's a lot of people there, but whatever, mask on for church. Even if, you know, so there's like, there's that, like, can I see my family? In the beginning, they're like, no, you can't see your family. But we've been able to eat outside without a mask the entire time at a restaurant. And they say, well, that's supporting the economy. It's like, okay, you know, I like, the, I, I don't, I want the economy to be good, but it's also like, you see a pattern, you're like, oh, I can take it off if I'm serving the dollar in some way. And you start going like, that's kind of interesting. You know, what you're else can I do? A good little boy. Yeah. <laughs> as and long it's as like, you're you know, a good little boy, you know. I, I might be overanalyzing this. Or I might be biased, but it, it, it's like, okay, so I can't go outside without a mask and take a walk for my own mental health and well being, but I can eat a bagel. <laughs> that's like as scary as this is i can eat a bagel as long as i pay money for a bagel if i want to go like see my fucking parents and talk to them or see my whole family i'm now an enemy of the state but i can eat a bagel with a bunch of strangers who are also eating bagels and you start going what the fuck but yeah. the but this whole these people have my best intentions and that, that's what i'm saying if it's like if it's purely a best intention thing then it's like then let people all talk speak their mind on it and it's like you might, you, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's like, no, for real, dude. Like, you know, this works. We want you all to be safe. It's like, that's hard to accomplish when you're like shutting people down or labeling people. Cause it, that goes into like, there's a guy, Richard Dawkins. Is it Richard Dawkins? David Dawkins. He talks about David Hawkins. I, I always fuck his name. I think it's David Hawkins, David Dawkins, but he starts talking about this idea of power versus force. And what they're using a lot of times is force. They're saying like, you know, oh, you're going to talk about this. Bam. You're fucking kicked off of this. You're kicked off of that platform. That's force. Cause they're not like using like a, like understanding would be a sense of power. Like if you use force, you're creating a counter force. So like, say you say, Hey man, fuck this. I'm not getting this thing. And I say, you're a fucking weirdo and a loser. I've now created a counter force where I've tried to like, rather than understanding you, which would be like a sense of power being like, all right, I'm okay with myself. Let's hear your truth. I'm going to come from you at a place of understanding. Now I actually heard you out and I can say, 
oh, I hear what you're saying. Check this out. And I can honestly say how I feel about something that you said. And then now we're kind of like, you know, maybe moving together a little bit. But if, if you use force, then all you're doing is creating counterforce. Oh, mass, no mass, you're a loser. You're wearing a mask, you're a pussy. You're just creating animosity, more and more animosity until a bubble forms and then it pops. So that's something I've been thinking about a lot. And again, that comes from a more spiritual perspective. So Right. And I, I would push it a step further and maybe maybe into uncomfortable waters for you. But personally, I'm not afraid because I have the faith in the sense of soul and self that even if I die of a, ho- a virus in a hospital bed, I'm going to come back, you know, and I can't say that everybody needs to believe that. But I personally believe that I will reincarnate and that my soul is much more than just this body that I'm in right now. So I think a lot of the campaign of fear that people are experiencing hinges on the fact that they mortgage the scare- scarcity of life or they leverage the scarcity of life against death, right? They give you this impending sense of death and then make you feel like, well, life is so limited. If I don't make these choices really the right way, then I could lose it all. And that's, it, that's that impending sense of doom that I think a lot of people are, their, their common sense and their logic is falling victim to that, you know, because we, as, you know, human beings, we have these instincts to defend ourselves and protect ourselves. And slowly over time, and again, this is my opinion. Well, I kind of, I dig it for the record, but, but over time, they've indoctrinated us to be in this kind of, well, I'll do what you tell me kind of mindset. Mm-hmm because it's easier that way. And people have so much stress to just put food on the table that if you ask them to do a math problem or locate, you know, Papua New Guinea on a map, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I got to put food on my table, you know? So there's a certain amount of mental work that getting out of the matrix requires. And I think that is the inherent uh, benefit that the matrix has is it's really good at trapping people inside of it once it's created you know and i'm not again i'm not a chicken little sky is falling type person i think we all came here to do this to take on this challenge yeah there's going to be evil people yeah there's going to be fucked up people yeah there's going to be people that are going to break your heart but you signed up for it you signed up for the lesson to learn and become stronger from it and ultimately it reminds me of something my mentor taught me when I decided to drop out of college. It's like, you know, you are who you say you are, you know, like he, he came into my life in such a strange way, this homeless indigenous man from Arizona hanging out on the Yale university campus. I was just a college student at gateway, not even Yale, you know, and Mm -hmm. he changed my life by teaching me these things about indigenous culture and, and, and praying and, and, that connected me right and i think a lot of people uh unfortunately get so dragged into the current they don't have an a a mentor or an opportunity for a mentor to kind of shake them up and be like no man this is what the real world is you know and because i was in that state of like yeah catholicism is bullshit and weed is really cool like what else is there it hit me at this perfect time you know and and Maybe that makes me a different person and and masks and COVID. And I just don't care. Like I don't wear a mask unless I have to, because I'm not trying to be an asshole, you know, like Mm -hmm. I want to be able to buy groceries and not make a scene, (laughs) but you know, it's like, I gotta, you gotta 
stand up for yourself too. And, and I think that the, what David way, the Taoist I interviewed taught me is like, you got to lead by example. And what you just said is beautiful, be powerful, not forceful. And that's exactly what he was kind of telling me too. It's like, be powerful. Don't be forceful, understand where people are coming from. So you can then give them the benefit of your understanding rather than discounting them and trying to just force your understanding on them, you know, because we're all signing up for this. We all signed up for this crazy third dimensional reality experience, you know, but I mean, we're kind of coming towards the close here, Matt, what are your, your final thoughts? Anything you want to leave with uh, our audience? I mean, dude, I, you know, I, I agree with pretty much everything you're saying. And, and again, like, just think about the fact that it's like, oh, what am I going to die? Well, I'm not afraid to die. You know, and again, it's like, I am genuinely like, I don't, I don't want to right now. I'd be upset. But I also, like you were saying, I approach it more like I have faith in the fact that I'll be okay. You know, and it's like, I ultimately know that even if I do get sick, like you were saying, I think I'll be okay. You know, and if I'm not okay, then, you know, that's just out of my hands. And it, it becomes a question of like, you know, do you want to preserve life at the cost of everything that makes it worth living? You know, it's like, you know, do I want to like live in a bubble forever so that I don't die? It's like, well, no. So it's like, you know, well, it's just for a year. Okay. We'll say it was for four years. Like what, at what time period would you say this is too much for, you know, the, you know, the risk of not dying or getting sick is one, like, will you trade a year of your life? Like, yeah, I'll trade a year. How about five? It's like, no, you know, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it becomes a point where it's like, who, Who's to say how much time is acceptable to sacrifice and living in the bubble rat mode? And that should be a conversation. COVID is like the vacation we all got stranded on. Like, this is fun. Like, we could do this. And then it's like, no, like, why don't we get, like, what, dad, get the rental car already. We need to go home. Like, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, to close it out, yeah, it's like, you know, just I'm really interested always in kind of like finding little kind of ways to, take the more, more rational minded people and just try to like open them up to the fact of like, like there's, again, the book is called power versus force. It's pretty good. They, they spend a lot of time talking about applied kinesiology, which is a whole other subject, which, you know, I don't really care about that much, but they start talking about the invisible universe. And in terms of the power versus force model, it's like, you know, there's things that we didn't know existed that just exert their power, like gravity, gravity was around. It was keeping us tight, held to the planet. That doesn't, gravity doesn't have to like, you know, like exert itself. It's, it's a complete entity. It's a power. It's something that, you know, it's something that is in, you know, what they call the invisible universe. Like, you know, we discovered that, oh, okay, that's a thing. Uh, you know, there's bacteria, germs, all this stuff. They are all, they were all previously part of an invisible universe. They were there, but they were outside of our perception. So I always tell people like, you know, there's so many things that we've like, that we didn't know that we've discovered. And you just see them as like these like eternal forces that just emanate naturally in the universe. Um, and then you can boil that down to the human level where it's like, uh, this would be an example of it. Like say you're in a relationship with someone and there's stuff they're doing that you kind of don't like, you know, you can, what can you do? You can scream at them. That's being forceful. And that's just going to create them to become kind of recalcitrant and kind of resistant. Or you can try to openly communicate with them from a place of love and say, Hey, like, this is what this brings up to me when you do this, hear them out. And then it's up to them if they want to not do that or not. And then rather than kind of like forcing your agenda on other people, you could practice the, you know, acceptance, like, well, let me remove the desire from me for this person to act in a way that I don't like, because what, you know, how much of this is just my own weird shit. So, you know, that was kind of a meander, but really it's like letting people acknowledge that, like, dude, there's so much more to the universe. Like we didn't, but you, we laugh at people in medieval times. That was, you know, it was what, a couple hundred years ago, a better conception of the universe to think that we all of a sudden nailed it now is just falling in line with all of the other people who thought they nailed it, who were all wildly wrong. So it's like, just be open to the fact that there's more stuff that exists outside of yourself. And the, the spiritual way of being is like, 
you know, you hit a crossroad where you say, all right, I'm definitely alive. I'm definitely in a universe. Is the universe like, am I part of like some form of eternal and unchanging thing? Or is the universe basically this kind of indifferent and cold thing that doesn't care at all about life in any capacity? And you just choose to say, I choose to think it does, you know, and it's like, and there's so many benefits to doing that versus being like, fuck that. I don't believe it. And then, you know, you go with the scientific model, which is just predicated on doubting everything constantly, which works again for making medicines. It's awesome. But for the human mind, I think it starts to create a, a pretty shitty state and like a pretty meaningless state. So it's like, I just choose to live in the cooler version of it. And then, you know, and I still like the scientific model and it's like, well, I'll take both, dude. You can have both. That's what I'm saying. Like you can have both. You can have the mental security of like, just acknowledging the possibility that there, the universe is wildly more complex than you can conceive of and that it ultimately cares about you on some level. And yeah, you just go with that. And there's, for me, again, from all like, my mission with the psych and all stuff is to bring people tools to increase their mental well-being. And it's like, here's one and nobody talks about it. And it's like, you know, it's a personal choice. It's, it's funny that religion and spirituality now is a taboo, which is like, it's pretty funny. But yeah, so that's it, dude. That's pretty much it. Thanks for having me on here. I, I really like talking about this stuff. So Matt McCusker, the pleasure is all mine. I mean, please, folks, if you haven't listened to Matt and Shane's Secret Podcast already, I don't know what the hell you're doing. And they have uh, <laughs> Gillian Keeves new youtube channel with some really funny stuff on there and i just realized you guys have some sick i i'm an audio listener only so Mm -hmm. i didn't realize how sick your youtube intros were like when you watch matt and shane on youtube it's like a badass intro and then you guys are there at the table sean gardini that's uh sean gardini helped us out with that big time okay yeah he shout out to him shout out to war mode i love your brother billy and and Mm -hmm. spud they got a great podcast there and then yeah folks i mean please like i said check out matt i'm sure he might be uh on the road with shane so please go check out shane's dates and and yeah matt dude this has been really fun man i i appreciate having you and thanks for listening to the my family think some crazy podcast are we really the crazy ones (laughs) thanks man Mark is bananas. Okay, this guy's losing his mind. Don't listen to him. Follow us on patreon.com slash mftic. That's patreon.com slash mftic.